All right, let's turn to the book of 1 Peter in chapter number 5. I'm going to do something that I normally don't do. I'm going to preach a message that I preached in the past. Sometimes if I'm called to do a revival or something like that, I will preach uh, a message again, but I often make changes to it. And today, this message I'm really not making a lot of changes to. And I told you already, it's the message that I preached the beginning of 2023. And this week I pulled this out and I was looking through it and I was like, you know, I need to look at this, I need to keep this message on my desk to make sure that I'm doing what this, this outlines. Because this message is talking to pastors. And so it's, it's really a message to me, but, um, but it's something that we all can glean from. So in 1 Peter chapter number 1, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter number 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being, over, being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And we'll just stop right there. You know, as I thought about this message uh, this week, I, I thought about how I'm in a different place today than I was a year ago. When I delivered this message, my, my heart was in a totally different place. I was living in a darker place. Um, a year ago, I was struggling a lot emotionally. But anyway, as I, 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 I went back and reviewed this message, I, I thought about how things are different, how things have changed in the last year in my life. And I thought, well, how have I... This is what I said we're going to do in 2023, and I thought, how have I led the church to do that? And you might ask yourself, how have you lived 2023? How did you live 2023? How are you going to live 2024 so that you will grow spiritually? And you ought to be able to look back at your life and say, these are the places that I've grown in the past year, and here's where I want to grow um, in 2024. Here's one thing we know for sure. If you don't have a goal, you'll not reach it. If you don't have some kind of plan for advancement, you'll never advance. If you don't have some kind of plan for growing in your spiritual maturity, you'll not grow. And so we all need to, to think about the ways that we're going to grow in this upcoming year. But the, the beginning of the, 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 the message was faithful plotting. That's the goal for 2023. Uh, I, I read a quote that said a pastor who said the oldest member of this church had passed away. And he stated that the advice this man gave him was to be always faithful. William Carey was talking about his biographer. And he was talking about the statement that the biographer made about him. And here's what Willie, William Carey had to say. If the biographer gives me credit for being a faithful plotter, he will describe me justly. 
Anything beyond this will be too much. I can plod. I can persevere in, in, in any definite pursuit. To this I owe everything. So we want to think about how did we faithfully plod in 2023? And how will we faithfully plod in 2024? And so we want to think about our faithful plotting. And in doing that, I, we're going to look at this message that, that, that Peter spoke to the elders there at the church. And we're going to draw from that. And so we see Peter giving his farewell words to these elders. And he's reminding these elders, the leaders of the church, of their responsibility to lead the church. And we all need to understand, and I need to understand that, and the other leaders of the church need to understand our calling of God um, to lead the church. But he's going to tell them to feed the flock of God, and he's going to, he's going to imply they need to love the flock of God, which we'll look at in just a little bit. But I believe that, that, that Peter is recalling his, the lesson that he learned from Jesus in John 21. When Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, then you're going to feed the sheep. And so Peter is using that same lesson that he learned to encourage these leaders in the church. And he's telling them that, listen, because you are an elder, because you are a leader in the church, you need to tend to the flock of God. He exhorts these elders. And so what are the exhortations that Paul or Peter gives to the, to the elders? And the first of all, he says, feed the flock. Feed the flock means to oversee the flock, taking the oversight thereof. So the way that he is to tend to the flock is to feed them and take the oversight or to guide and to guard them. So why, does, why is it always the sheep? You know, I thought about I knew what I was going to preach, and, and uh, when Doug was walking out a little earlier, I said, Doug, how's the flock? And I thought about all the care that he gives for his flock of goats. But anyway, you know, we, we think about someone that has a flock, whether it be a flock of sheep or a flock of goats or, or whatever. Um, there's some tending that needs to be done to take care of them. It's a daily concern. I don't think he can probably go a day without being concerned about and taking the oversight of that flock. So, so why is a flock always the, uh, the analogy that's used? And it's because, that, because it so hits the point. Sheep live in a flock. And the followers of Jesus are like a flock. The Expositor's Bible says, Sheep, how prone they are to wander and stray. How helpless, how ill-furnished with means of defense against perils. Also, they are easy to be led, but that is not all a blessing. For though docile, they are often heedless, ready to follow any leader without thought of consequences. But they are God's flock. This adds to the dignity of the elder's office, but also adds to the gravity of the trust, a trust to be entered on with fear and trembling. For the flock is precious to Christ, 
and should be precious to his shepherds. And I underlined that in my notes. Mark, that's something to keep in mind. The flock is precious to Christ. And so it should be precious to the shepherd. And each of us ought to keep in mind, every member of this flock is precious to Christ. So, so we want to think about a shepherd and a flock. And the responsibility of the elder to feed the flock. To feed and to oversee. And by the way, that's, that's what you should always demand of your pastor. You should demand of your pastor, your shepherd. You should demand to be fed. And you should demand to be guided. That's what a shepherd is to do. That's what a pastor is to do. He's not to lord it over God's uh, heritage, but he is to feed and he is to guide. So what does he mean when he says, feed the flock of God? What's that include? And of course, I'm sure you know that the answer is obvious. First and foremost is to feed them the Word of God. This is the bread of life. And so, if a shepherd is going to feed the flock, the first thing he has to be is he needs to be a student of the Word of God. You should expect, when you come here on Sunday morning, not to get a Saturday night special. Not to say uh, that, you know, that I just dreamed something up on Saturday night. But that you should expect and you should be able to tell that your shepherd is a student of the Word of God. And you should be able to tell that they've been in the Word of God. And you might be able to tell how diligently they've been in the Word of God by the type of food they prepare for you. But you should expect that your shepherd is in the Word of God. And you should expect them to preach the Word of God. That's what Paul told Timothy. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. This is to preach the Word. It's not preach about the Word or preach snippets of the Word of God or preach one verse out of context. But it's to preach the Word in its entirety, to preach the whole counsel of God. That should be your expectation as a flock. You should expect that your shepherd is going to feed you the Word. And let's remember what preaching is. Preaching is... Reading a text, explaining what the text means, and applying the text to your life. Always in context. It's not just one verse taken out and preach because it's got the... Like, you, you, you choose a verse that has grace in it because you want to talk about grace. That's not preaching the Word. That's talking about the word grace. You want to make sure that they're preaching the Word of God in context. In other words, and like I mentioned to you the other night, uh, Wednesday night I talked about how every verse needs to agree with the entire context of the entire Scripture. It has to agree with Genesis through Revelation. So preaching is reading a text, explaining a text, applying the text, always in context. And that's what you should expect. And you should expect that the shepherd, a shepherd can't be satisfied as long as he puts food in the trough. You know, if you, if you go out and you feed 
your flock and you say, well, I gave them hay, or it's not my fault they won't eat, or I gave them whatever sheep food is, it's not my fault if they won't eat it. Generally, if a shepherd feeds his flock, or he makes food available for the flock and the flock won't eat it, generally there's something wrong with the flock. And so he knows that unless that sheep gains nourishment, they can't continue on in life. And so a shepherd of the flock should make food that is able to be ingested and, and food that is desirable and food that is suitable for the sheep and make sure the sheep eats. And if the sheep uh, won't eat, maybe you need to check on the welfare of the sheep. And so we know first and foremost, if you're going to feed the flock of God, it's through preaching the Word of God. Also, you might think about feeding the flock of God, and it should be as obvious as the first point, but uh, feeding the flock of God is to pray for the flock of God. Remember, when the apostles, when they talked to the apostles in the book of Acts, what did they say they were going to give themselves to? They were going to give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's the primary duties of a shepherd, prayer and and ministry of the Word. And you know, we always kind of talk about the pastor being preaching the Word first and foremost, but, but maybe because the apostles listed prayer first and the ministry of the Word second, probably the primary duty of the pastor is to pray first and then feed the flock with the Word of God. So, you know, I've thought about that this week. As I considered this message a few times and read through its points several times, and I thought about my own prayer life. In this message, I, I have prayer might be one of my weakest points. It's not that I don't pray. It's just that prayer comes easier when a person is in crisis. And, and you know, a lot of times that's, that's the way... It's easier for me to, to visit someone who's sick if I know they're having problems. They're, they've got a sickness, but, you know, if things are going good with people, it's not as easy for me to, and, and, and it's easy for me to pray for someone when I know they've got a problem, but just general prayer, it's not always the easiest, and so I've had to sit back and think about my own prayer life and how I've prayed, and has my prayer life in, uh, improved any, and, and have I uh, prayed for the flock the way that I should. And so, you know, as I'm preaching this message to, do, to you guys, it's one of the things that I'm considering in my own life. But it's something that you can consider too. Because not only is prayer beneficial for the shepherd, prayer is beneficial for the flock. And you might ask yourself, how's your prayer life? You know, one of the things I've given to the deacons, we have divided the church up into quarters. And each deacon is responsible for a quarter of the church to pray for them. So I might ask those deacons, how are you doing that? Are you praying for the flock? Are you fulfilling your requirement to pray for the flock as you should? And we might ask ourselves as individuals, are we, how are we praying for the flock of God? So to feed the flock of God is to feed them the Word of God, is to pray for them, and also to feed them encouragement. One of the things I think we all need in life is encouragement. Encouragement is twofold. It's 
Encouragement is to do that which is right. To be encouraged in the Lord. To be encouraged when doing right. To be encouraged by understanding who you are in Christ Jesus. You know, like, this is a great book to read, to see. Hey, I'm saved without a doubt. Because I'm in Christ Jesus, there should be no doubt about your salvation. And this is a great book to read to help you understand that. Who you are in Christ Jesus. Be encouraged because you understand greater is He that is in you than than He that is in the world. You are more than a conqueror through Him that loved us. You are an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Understanding all of those things are ways that you can be encouraged. You know, several years ago now, I got a card that said, Brother Mark, I just want you to know that my family prays for you daily. And that's been... Several years ago. But there are times that I call upon that often. Because even after all of these years, I have no concept of how long ago it was. It could be 15, it could be 20, it could have been 5. I don't know. It's been a a while ago though. But there's still times that I call upon that because that was such an encouragement to me then that I still call upon that. And sometimes I say, well, I hope they're still doing that. But anyway... Uh, but that was an encouragement to them, me then, and all these years later, it's still an encouragement to me. There's different ways that we can encourage one another. But not only is encouragement to do that which is right, you know, just this week, I, I had a couple of uh, experiences this week in chaplain's duty. Sometimes when I'm being a chaplain, I, I'm like, why am I doing this? But this week, I stumbled upon, well, last week when I was at Paul B. Hall, I had a couple of people say, you guy that prayed over the intercom? You know, that really meant a lot to me, you prayed over the intercom. And then I had, a, uh, had someone from McGoffin County there, and, and uh, they said, we didn't know you was doing this. This week, I had two Two people that in from our community that, that I bumped into at the hospital and, and they said, Oh, we're so glad that you're doing this. Now, none of those people are ever going to darken the doors of our church because they're members of other churches, right? And I don't want them to darken the doors of our church. But it's like, why am I doing this? That's why I'm doing this. Just someone saying, I'm glad you're doing this. That's encouragement, right? is an encouragement to continue on. And we need to think about how we can encourage one another. Not pull people down, but encourage people to do that which is right. And, and I need to do that, and I always need to focus on how to do that better and more. But we all need to encourage one another and build each other up. That little song, the little verse song, don't tear each other down. But encouragement, not only is it to uh, encourage people to do that which is right, but it's also encouragement is to be aware of pitfalls and to sin. Because Satan is wily and he has many devices with which to distract us. So as a pastor, part of the job is to warn us about pitfalls, to, to make people aware of the hindrances to their walk. 
And so I need to encourage you that, listen, if you continue on that path, you know, that's not a good path to follow, and that path might lead you away from the Lord. But that's encouragement not to go the wrong way. You know, like last night, so, so last night I kind of saw, I saw Randa's post about the car in the ditch at the Sam Literal Road or whatever, and Mark Anthony come by the house. They had been at the Stephan DJ's, and they were coming by the house. They stopped to give Henry a bath, and I didn't think about it until they were already gone. But I could have encouraged Marky to go a different path and not go the normal path because they drove down to the mouth of Sam Literal Road, wherever that's at, and they sat for a while. And finally they had to turn around and come back and go down the parkway. And I don't know, it was after 1 when they got home. It was about 1.30 probably. It was late anyway. But if I would encourage them not to go that pathway, they're going to save themselves a whole lot of time. Right? Don't go the wrong way. That way is closed right now. Don't follow that path. Follow a different path. And so that's one of the things we can do as it, is encourage one another is to understand that there's a pathway that leads to good and there's a pathway that leads to uh, wickedness and we want to warn people not to follow the wrong path. Pointing them in the right direction. Focusing on the correct goal. And so part of my job as a, as a, as a, as a pastor is to feed the flock and, and feed the flock by pointing them at the correct goal. If I would ask you this question, what is the chief end of man? Those that go to church camp would know, should hopefully know to know God and to enjoy Him forever. The Bible teaches us to live for the glory of God. And so a shepherd ought to point his flock to the glory of God. Trust the word press says, Scripture overwhelmingly attests that the Christian's defining life priority is the glory of God. And there's many ways you can do that. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Love the Lord your God. I should ask these young people, what's uh, Matthew 22, 37? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. So what's, how do you live to the glory of God to love Him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Jesus said, follow me. How do you follow the right goal? You follow the right goal by following me. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body, which is His. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. You see, that's how you focus on the glory of God. The glory of God could, could be the only aspiration of the one who understands He was a helpless sinner, now redeemed and saved by the gracious initiative and shed blood of Christ. When you understand that you have been redeemed from the curse of this world, you have been redeemed from death, and you have been brought to Christ, that will encourage you to live for the glory of God. And gratitude compels that response. The glory of God is that which will spur us on in sanctification. Sometimes the battle for sanctification is hard. 
Sometimes as evil men and seducers wax worse and worse. Sometimes as the pressures of this world crash in on us. Sometimes as the world we know has turned their back on God. It's, it's increasingly difficult to live separate from the world and be separated unto God. That battle for sanctification in our lives sometimes is so difficult. We're inundated with it, uh, with the, the world on social media, on commercials and and all of that. Last night, I refereed a basketball game, and the referees are, were there in the locker room, and somehow they were talking about TV shows and, and so forth, and I was talking about that show, and it's coming on new. It's somehow a, a guy's living with his ex-wife's family or something. I don't know, but anyway, it talks about... It shows a picture of him, and I hate to even say what it shows on the, on the commercial, you know, for this show. And I was telling those guys about it, and they was like, oh yeah, what kind of shows is a preacher watching anyway? And I'm like, the preacher's not watching the show. I'm describing to you what the commercial is. We're just on a commercial, you know? There's stuff. And so as you think, well, I can't live like that. That's not the right thing to do. An ex-husband shouldn't be living with his wife and her living boyfriend. That's not a picture of something that ought to be. But we're inundated with that, right? Even on commercials, we see it. And so the battle for sanctification is hard. So we need to be encouraged and understand that when you live sanctified, that's how you're going to bring glory to God. Let's also remember that when we're living for the glory of God, we're going to enjoy that glory forever. And we understand that pursuing the glory of God is going to be different for all of us, whether we're the young person choosing career options, the stay-at-home mom caring for her family, the pastor persevering in ministry, an aging saint facing physical and mental decline. All of those things, seeking the glory of God is going to be different. But ultimately, the purpose is the same. Though the outward circumstances differ so greatly, this is the life God has given me, and I'm going to live it for His glory. That came from Don Green. Fifthly, a shepherd should feed the flock by loving the flock. Again, Peter brings that out here, feed the flock of God, and he's remembering how he was told to feed the flock. Peter goes on to say that when you feed the flock, that, that you know that, that, that it should not be done for filthy lucre's sake, in verse number 2. Really, shepherding a flock should not be a career. It is, but it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be doing it just for the money. There are some who have that goal, but only a, a shepherd who truly loves his flock will, consider, will surrender to lead that flock because he loves them. And that love is twofold. Love first and foremost is for Christ. The love second of all is for the flock. And, and you can't explain it. And I have it here in my notes. You know, I was talking about 28 years ago, 29, almost 28 years ago, almost 29 now. I didn't know Emmanuel Baptist Church existed. And the first time I came here and I met... A few of you. I mean, how is you going to have a love for those people that you just barely know? It's something that's instilled in the heart by God. It's not a natural thing. It's a calling of God. It's a, something that God places in your heart. And so the pastor, the shepherd, needs to love the flock. So that's the way that you feed the flock. 
Now, kind of in closing, let's talk about overseeing the flock. What does it mean to oversee or guard the flock? You remember the Looney Tunes, right, about the sheepdog and the wolf and, and how it shows them coming in every day and they're checking in. And George and Ralph, I think it was. I don't remember for sure. But anyway, they're checking in like it's their job, you know. And the, and the, the wolf's job was to try to get the flock and the, and the sheepdog's job was to kind of protect the flock, you know. And so there's always this battle between the, 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 the wolf or the trying to, to get to the flock and the, and the sheepdog protecting. That's the job of the pastor, to oversee, to protect, to guard against wolves in sheep clothing, against the pitfalls that are in this world. Oversee means to be aware, to look diligently after. And I know sometimes you, you wonder, well, Brother Mark, why are you talking about that? You know, like, why are you talking about being concerned about what the future is going to hold and, and how maybe make sure that we don't fall away in the future? Or why do you talk about uh, this doctrine or whatever? Or why do you highlight the, the errors of, of some people's doctrine? Why do you talk about those things? It's because I'm trying to look out for you to make sure uh, that your future is, is right with God. And sometimes you have to outline the the false doctrine of other groups so that you can be aware that there's, there's a pitfall out there. And if you begin to follow after that, you know, you're, you're liable to fall into that. So that's what it means to oversee, to, to make people aware of false objectives. I mean, we're so easy to fall into the pathway of where the world is leading to what is valuable in this world. William Carey made the quote, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things which don't matter. <sighs> Think about all the things that we do in life that we give so much time to and so much effort and they mean absolutely nothing Yet they consume so much of our time. William Carey says, I'm concerned about succeeding at things that don't matter. Someone made this quote, In the 21st century, we have almost an unprecedented ability to get, to get good at things which don't matter. This statement that's in my notes, I, I, I look back to January of 2023 and where I was at in my heart, worrying about my family, worrying about the young people in the church, worrying about church members and being so frustrated with myself because I couldn't make things better. And it led me into a very dark place. But a game of hearts changed all of that. It was the game of hearts that caused me to... No, it's a game of spades, sorry while we were on vacation together as a family. And that 
Something happened in the game of spades that changed me. I had to seek counseling, by the way. But that counselor gave me the freedom to understand that I'm not responsible for every person. That I can't take every person's life as my own fault. And that's the way I was a year ago. Whatever's going on in your life was my fault. If your life didn't measure up to what I thought it should be, it was my fault. And so every burden, every care, every... Listen, every time someone stayed away from church, that's my fault. Every time someone would do something wrong, it was my fault. And I took all of that on me. And it just about destroyed me. That, that counselor gave me the freedom to surrender that. That sometimes you've got to let people be responsible for themselves. Anyway, I've grown in that area in the last year. But still, we need to be concerned about succeeding in things that don't matter. We need to think about life and what we give ourselves to and, and think about. 100 years from now, who's going to care? 25 years from now, who's going to care? We've given ourselves to things that don't matter. But we ought to care more about, listen, in 25 years, people are going to care if this church is still viable. In 50 years, this church, the people are going to care if this church is still viable. In 100 years, people are going to care if this church is still viable, if it's still walking according to the truth. And the only way that it can still be walking in the truth in 100 years is if it walks in the truth today. And we are the ones that's responsible for that. So we need to give ourselves. We can give ourselves to the church so in 100 years there's a church here that's still standing for the truth. And that's going to matter long after they forget who we are. Long after they forget our name, the principles that we establish will still be present. We're passing them down to our children. We're passing them down to our grandchildren. We may even be, we're passing some of them down to our great-grandchildren and, and generations to come. The principles that we live according to, we're passing them down. And we need to understand that. So let's focus on the things that matter and don't give our lives to the things that don't matter. So we need to understand that. To give direction, a pastor is to oversee by giving direction and setting objectives. The pastor is to help you set your affections on things above. And so Peter encourages the elders to be examples to the flock. Verse number three, being examples to the flock. And, and that's what I should be. As your pastor, I should be an example to you. But as leaders in the church, and all of you are leaders in the church, you should understand your responsibility to be an example to others. To be a discipler of others, to be a disciple who makes disciples, it's your responsibility. That's what you ought to be doing. You ought to understand how important it is for you to be an example. For you to show how important it is to be dedicated. 
for you to show how important it is to be involved in what the church is doing and to share that with others and to bring others along, to be an example. So how are we going to live 2024? Faithfully plotting together for the glory of God. That's our goal. That's what I've thought about this past year. I'm actually going to take this message and I'm going to review it once a month and ask myself, am I doing these things? To make sure that I stay the course. To make sure that I'm doing what Peter tells the elders to do. All for the glory of God. I pray that all of us will live for the glory of God in 2024. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that each of us will live faithfully for you, faithfully plotting for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.